Hi, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name's Corey King. I'm the chief executive artist at Zenfry and the creator of our uh, first and newly released game, uh, Clandestine Anomaly. Okay, and, and what's Clandestine Anomaly about? Uh, well, to without giving out too much of the story, Clandestine Anomaly is essentially about um, you uh, being tossed in to a sci-fi epic. Um, now, obviously, there's a lot of stories like that, but this is really about you, not another character. You actually start the game playing Clandestine Anomaly, which isn't this game. It's actually like a we start with a 16-bit menu, and when you go to press start, your phone is hacked by uh, an alien ship who's crashing down and his instruments have been fried and they can't figure out where they're crashing and you tell them where to crash. And you're not really supposed to be a part of this world. You're not, um, you know, a part of the... There is a secret organization that knows about this, but you're not them. Uh, it's that the situation is so screwed up that they just had to hack any random device. And th so throughout the whole game, they're actually not expecting much of you. You're sort of a normal human. But you sort of rise to the challenge as you face... Uh, and are slowly revealed this growing alien war that is hidden uh, hidden all around us all the time and which puts Earth into obviously a precarious position um, and you sort of end up, hopefully, if you successfully get through the game, proving yourself to be, you know, more than they expected in terms of, you know, how powerful and awesome a human could be. Okay. And for the audience out there, where's uh, what website can they visit while they're listening to the interview? Um, that might give them more information about the game and um, sure. Yeah. So uh, clandestineanomaly.com, uh, you would be able to find it, or uh, the name of my company is zenfry.com. We'll link you there. The okay. um, so the key can you so that's z e n f r i dot com. That's right. Okay, just want to make sure. Um, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so and, and and with all this, we're saying it's about you and stuff like that. The the yeah. real sort of interesting features of the game is that it's an augmented reality GPS game. So when the ship is crashing at the start, you actually create a play space that's two kilometers by two kilometers to which the campaign procedurally generates. Uh, and you can play the game without ever moving, but if you want to you know, go in and have the most powerful abilities in the game, like call in airstrikes and things like that, you walk to those locations. So it, it has a tower defense element, but then there's this a sort of almost first-person AR element that is based on your location. So it's really about you and your neighborhood. Yeah. And and so we did an interview about two years ago um, when you were starting this and, and, and getting, I think, um, trying to start a campaign on it and, and get funding and stuff like that. Um, and um, what's, yeah, what's, what's changed since then in terms of your understanding and um, I guess your, because it, it was an augmented reality game um, and mm -hmm. you just released it, right? Like so, um, just recently. So, what's what's changed? Well, since the last we talked two years ago, uh, a ton has changed. We did get uh, funding uh, for yeah. one, uh, and that helped us out. And then there was a long, painful learning process because, as I said, it was uh, my first game. And to say that scope was an issue with the yeah. initial ambition is kind of an understatement. Yeah. And then just learn, just learning all those other things too, like you know. Uh, I do consider myself more of a storyteller than a businessman, uh, but we ended up at one point having a 30-person team and, wow. and a, a decent amount of funding, and, and then asking me and my wife, who are, we both consider ourselves artists and storytellers, to figure out how to both manage this thing as well as learn on the fly, not just game design, but yeah. game design in this new space that no one has really explored before. And we did have help from some 
seasoned professionals, but I'm still a pretty headstrong guy and doesn't don't always listen to uh you know, I learn the hard way even if people warn me against yeah. it. But um uh so I mean there's a lot of learning involved. Uh but what was fun about it is we were also learning like really attempted to do like there's some examples like Ingress, but Ingress doesn't really have AR and Ingress has a different design completely other than the fact that it uses your locations. They're completely different games and so you know, we didn't feel so bad that we were learning as we went because, you know, anyone in, even if you had more game experience, would be learning. And, yeah, you know, that that's the other thing. I think um, since our first interview, and I don't know if you if you heard about Ingress then, um, but it's, it was primarily released, at least officially, I think, last year um, in mm-hmm. 2014. And so what did you, what did you guys think about when, when you saw Ingress come out? Did that create any concern or worry Um, i mean because because as a smaller studio you know as an indie game developers you know you're trying to do something innovative and then sometimes other people might come out with stuff that's similar and they actually get it right maybe their design which cut out some things that you had might actually work better or it might might work worse you know oh well for sure so we uh um the timeline on when we knew about Ingress was uh, before probably we had talked about it, but it was definitely after I had already started down this path. I'd already done a few, like I'd done a Comic-Con locally, I'd gone to some some conferences talking about the game, and yeah. then I was on the flight back from MIGS one year, uh, that's the Montreal International Game Show, and it was like, they have the secret project that is this, and um, <laughs> my, my, my very first feeling was, uh, was this feeling of, of horror, of, yeah. of oh my god I've been scooped and by a company like it's a shocking surprise because to that point Google never made a game yeah so 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 you're sort of like looking across the field <laughs> of what your possible competitors are going to be and then you're smacked in like the side uh, from the side by like this mega huge corporation yeah. um, now um, fortunately I, I mean now I have a little bit more uh, of a different perspective on the whole thing as we're t- trying to communicate to users what it is we've done in some ways Ingress is actually a bit of a benefit actually because um, it at least gives us something to refer to yeah a- and we still have a hard time communicating it and and even when we show people like I just did a talk like an in-person talk two nights ago and we showed them the trailer I did this whole talk and 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 then it wasn't until I lit up the demo that people started to actually understand what I, what it was and so that's a huge challenge but at least with Ingress you can you can have something as a reference point even though they are quite divergent like Ingress is multiplayer Ingress is almost like a capture the flag type game ours is a tower defense game yeah. uh, like there's a lot of differences but we also learned some things from Ingress so they did uh, you know, we don't necessarily, we're not going to say they're mistakes or different design choices, but there's things about the way that they designed it that we went and said, we might want to avoid that. Um, and uh, and we put that into the game. An example of that, very simple example would be, uh, we were looking at forms, a lot of people complained that for Ingress, you, you know, uh, depending on what you're doing, you, you're forced to go to locations. And these locations can be very, very far away. So we, to counter that, we actually made it so that the tower defense side of the game you can you can play from home. It's going to be locked to a real world location, and if you go to that location, you get added benefits. But you can progress through the whole game without getting up, so that you don't have that situation where it's a beautiful morning, yeah. you're in bed with your wife, or maybe it's not a beautiful morning. Maybe it's raining out, and you want to play this game, and it's like, oh, go and walk five miles, and you're like, yeah, I don't think so, and turn off the app. Um, so we offer that feature, and then the other thing we want to do is localize it a lot more, make it about your neighborhood. So we limited. 
the area to being a place that we thought was a more comfortable walking position. We weren't going to ask people to go um, to these great um, distances to play. And then when they do walk, we're hoping at least that the mechanics that we implement with calling in airstrikes and having this battle above your head that you can see in AR is hopefully more enticing. But we definitely, you know, those two things of like making it so that hopefully more users are willing to walk two kilometers than what Ingress asks and also that we offer the option that you don't have to get up at all is sort of two things that we took from Ingress that we tried to change. And and what about multiplayer? I mean, it, you said you don't have multiplayer in your game. Do you feel that that would be a critical component to, to get people engaged in the game or, or what um, are your thoughts? Well, uh, there's a, I, have a, I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, it's one of those things where multiplayer can be a big uh, big uh, investment of time and resources, and if yeah. you if you can't get the you know if, if our core mechanics are, are don't work in the context that we built them, it's not going to make the game better to expand it out to multiplayer. Um, so our feeling was we really wanted to get a core loop that felt very very good, and if we're successful with that, and it seems that it's responsive, then we certainly do have intentions in the future to make a multiplayer version. But there's a couple hard barriers due to how we want the game to be that makes multiplayer uh, a little bit more challenging uh, than Google's. Um, and one of those is that our game is very fast-paced. Like, it's it's live action. It's not a turn-based game. It's something that happens very quick and is more visceral. Um, and if that's going to be multiplayer and people aren't tied to a, uh, a consistent Wi-Fi signal, um, it, it's hard to deal with that data. And certainly... Ingress isn't quite as fast-paced, but even though it is, it's also with one of the most giant data companies in the world. Um, um, the other thing is actually, it's very hard. We, we were concerned with using people's data too much um, and using too much map data. So a game like Ingress, every, everywhere you move, you're going to have to load map data constantly, which hurts your data, but also yeah. that's a cost to Google. But they have Google Maps, and so that cost is not as heavy for them as it is for us. Where we actually, after you first set up the game, first set up that play zone, you can actually play the game without using any uh, data at all, which is sort of, it's a nuanced feature, but it's kind of interesting that you can do the AR and GPS without data, which I don't know that there's too many examples of doing that. But uh, then the other concern comes down to basically safety. Um, We didn't want a game where you could deduce where your opponent was and that caused some sort of real-world conflict. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like you're wiping them out and they're standing right there and you're there's only one other guy in the park ever holding up his phone to go into AR and you go, that's probably the guy. And, you know, you go all Xbox Live on him and <laughs> knock him in the face. Um, you know, we're very concerned with, with safety and we do have some sort of government funding and that was one of their concerns as well. So, you know, uh, we want to make sure that there is no reason for you to ever be in an unsafe situation. But it's still something we want to look at. It's just... The development time is beyond the scope, and specifically with this story, yeah. this story is set in a place where you're not, you know, these aren't big agencies recruiting people. You're uh, this random element getting tossed into a giant struggle, and um, really, your um, your usefulness to the characters in the game is only proven towards the end. So they wouldn't really want to expose you to the broader network of people in the universe. Okay, yeah, because one of the things that I've noticed with indie game development is that indie game developers will kind of use what they're passionate about to be what they think is going to be the killer part of the game. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, you're coming from a point of view of, say, story, right? Yeah. And so so 
and and I think in our in our previous interview, you were you were pushing the importance of story, right? As, That's right. As as the differentiator, and then say someone who's a programmer might say, you know what, it's or someone who's passionate about retro programming. Let's say retro, like eight bit programming, you know, and and they'll they'll push that point of view of like eight bit or side scrolling or you know like like these nuances that relate to their passion, and and yet we look at the the actual industry and the audience and sometimes what they want is completely different than what any of our skill sets are so for example you know i mentioned multiplayer and multiplayer requires a whole different skill set that isn't even necessarily related to storytelling it isn't necessarily related to like 8-bit programming or side scrolling or, or even um you know just one platform programming right yeah and and yet people will not necessarily say, you know what, we're going to have to wipe out what we're passionate about and, and start with, like, say, multiplayer first. That's that's the core part of the DNA that's going to need going to be needed for the game. Um, and then another example is mobile, right? Like, before mobile, there was console, and people would be like, well, we got to do console. You know, like, like that's that's the silver bullet, console, right? And then what happened, what happens is that there's people from outside the industry or outside who, who have that, that passion that actually resonates with what the audience wants. Like, for example, they, they preferred mobile. So they made mm-hmm. those mobile games and that's what got traction. And then finally the people in the industry catch on. And so, so my question is, is um, how do you balance working with your passions, right? Like in your case, storytelling and what may be needed to actually make it a broad mainstream game and and i may sure. be wrong on this because look at minecraft the guy did not seem to care right and and it worked, <laughs> you know so so there there's but but you know then again and and he pioneered in the same way same way you did like he he kind of did something different where you know and you guys are doing something different too so maybe it's it's also the luck of finding something new that hits yeah that yeah. hits like and, and you were talking about in the previous interviews um you know which was split up into two parts but about how if you were if you would get in early on a new new area or a new genre or a new whatever you could use an indie budget to actually win which you know minecraft proves the case mm-hmm. um but yeah so so that's what i wanted to mention it's like how, how do you balance sure what, what if your passion isn't the primary thing that's going to actually make it <clears throat> necessarily work or is that that's just luck well, in the draw? Um, well, so there, there, there's a couple things in there, and so I'm going to try to decouple it. I still, uh, I do think games, and I think I said this last time. I do think like gaming is a medium that does not require story. The best yeah. like Tetris and like, and then <laughs> yeah. there's loose story like Mario, which is like save the princess, and you're like, well, it's it is technically a story, but not really. Um, and, and I, I think that's perfectly fine. But I also do think that in the biggest IPs. Uh, Minecraft being an exception to this rule, but it's an exception to many rules. Yeah. Uh, Halo, uh, uh, Mass Effect. You know, people would people got mad about Destiny. One of the chief complaints about Destiny was that the story was too like delivered in a very obtuse way. I do feel like if you have all the other ingredients, I don't think it's the first and most important ingredient to an yeah. interactive form. But if you also add that, I think it helps mainstream it as long as it's a more mainstream story. Um, now, the emphasis on on story did get not diminished in the project. It was still like I worked on it. We brought on the Gears of War 2 writer who helped to make sure it was uh, not necessarily more commercial, but, um, you know, that my idiosyncrasies of, of what I like weren't just there. And also just, you know, help, you know, he's a, he's a pro, so he helped us... Uh, 
you know make things tight and 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 uh, more focused. But um, o- overall, the uh, I eventually brought on other experienced people. Um, there's a designer named Laurie Hyrep who worked on Warhammer Online and uh, Dark Ages of Camelot and and games like that. And has also done some tower defense games on mobile. And um, uh, you know my uh, I'm a pretty hard guy to convince sometimes, but uh, eventually she did break through with some of her ideas of how to sort of simplify the game or focus more on the hooks or help simplify it. And um, and it, it's always trying to be that balance. Like I would say that hopefully I feel like the uh, the the mission didn't just become. I still think uh, story will help make it more compelling, and story will help hopefully if it's successful drive the the need and the reason for future yeah. uh, versions of the game. But we basically said we want a tower defense game that is innovative on its own. If there's no AR, no story, we just want the tower defense element of the game to be unique okay. and and to be as awesome as possible. Okay. We also want that when you do go into AR, every single time you go in, it is also awesome, even though it is could be viewed, I guess, as an appendage. It isn't totally necessary, but it's something really awesome that we put a lot of work into. And also that if someone does follow the story, that that is also solid. But the key thing is um, that tire defense gameplay, if it does or doesn't hold up, is it became the main factor in the second half of development of, you know, we got to a point where we had what we were internally aiming to be a gameplay build that seemed to not really have anything compelling in the gameplay department. Yeah. And, and, and that's where it really became, you know, you, you just have that very sobering moment being like, this is terrible and yeah it has a story but it's terrible and and we really went from that point on and re tweaked heavily retweaked it and and focused on on gameplay we had uh, we even put up on the wall i think everyone laughed because they all understood that you should focus on gameplay so it was probably more for me than for the rest of the devs but we put focus on gameplay up above you know the main room where the guys work um and, and tried to drive that and so you know we put a lot of effort uh on this core gameplay loop, which uh, we're, we're calling it tower tactics, because we don't think it's technically just tower defense. Tower defense is the you know most familiar term, but you have a base that you have to defend, uh, but you can't just defend the waves. There's actually an enemy base hidden in a fog of war that you have to find and destroy as well. And so it actually is like a race, um, and and the path that they take, there is a path just like tower defense. But it's not revealed. It's hidden in the fog. So you got to use the path as clues to find the base, destroy them before they destroy you. And we're hoping that that loop is strong enough and compelling enough and com- accessible enough. Now, we're not aiming for the Angry Birds audience. We're, we're, we are still aiming for more, like, gamer gamers. Um, yeah. But uh, basically, a lot rides on that loop, which is kind of surprising because you, you can't sell, you know, we're selling it off the AR, and we have yeah. to. yeah. But um, but we have found that you know when people start playing the tower defense, they're a little bit surprised that that's sort of more of what the game ends up being about. But um, well, why yeah. why do you feel you need to sell it off the AR? What if I mean, was there a point where you just said, look, if gameplay is the most important thing and AR is you know augmented reality is is going to be an additive component, do we really need it? I mean, will will the audience care? You know. Um, well, I think I think when we do. So we, there's this really difficult, and we, we have done focus tests. We've worked with sort of even university professors locally on like trying to really crack this, this problem, which is um, a couple of problems. One, most people don't know what AR is. 
Yeah. So like like a lot of people don't know what it is. Uh, and I've even had interviews where interviewers called it a VR game, and barely understanding what VR is, but clearly not understanding that there's like a distinction between these two things. So you're coming against this noise of of like technical jargon that people don't understand. Yeah. And then on the other hand, the people who do understand the jargon have played AR games and they're horrible. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is something that we we're, we're, we're desperately trying to overcome. Um, but the other thing is when we did the focus tests and, and people played how we implemented the augmented reality, um, they loved it. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of little touches we put in to both make it more stable, more accurate and hopefully more compelling than, than anything currently. Like, there's a lot of pie-in-the-sky or interesting things on HoloLens that may not come out ever and maybe in five years. Or, But but this is on a device people already own. And so, you know, currently available AR game, I still feel like we've done the best. So you sit here and you feel like you've done something the best that's yeah. ever been done. But people don't but it's hard to explain what that is and people who know what it is are skeptical and this has happened even with their launch of the game it's sort of like you know get, uh, getting reviewers to actually even just you know they'll take the review code but they won't install the game um and and then you ask them why and they're like well ar is a tough sell and you're like yeah. we know it's a tough sell <laughs> we know and, they're all yeah. terrible that's why you got to play this one you know and and see and, and see, this is this is where I'm, and I'm just trying to get at a model. And I know, we, I know we stick. Don't problem, we discuss it, But I'm trying to get at a model that can actually work for indie game developers because, you know, you talk about AR, and you're right. I mean, if you think about the other games, that you know, nothing has really clicked, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there's some. There's probably going to be a formula where AR could be a not a critical component, but it could be an important component. Of some game, but no one has figured out the right formula. And I'm going to give you an example. So, for example, um, in 2007, 2006, right? Um, people were talking about how you know casual gaming was huge. Like it became huger, and and the web, and you had these companies like Real Arcade or whatever, or Big Fish Games, and and you know it's like these casual single player games were huge. And people were saying, you know what? It's going to be now multiplayer. The the casual gamer is going to go into multiplayer. And so they were rushing to build casual MMOs, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened was is that, yes, the, the casual gamers wanted multiplayer, but it was the social networks and, and that design paradigm that actually brought it to, to the casual gamer. It wasn't going to be the, the same companies that delivered the single-player casual games. They, they missed the boat. And so, so the reason why I bring that up is because maybe some game developers feel that you know what ar and this augmented reality and and you know and you hear about virtual reality like those will be things that that the mass audience will eventually embrace but what is going to be that design paradigm that actually gets them there yeah right and and you even look at um gaming in general right like i mean consoles was was one paradigm but it was the mobile paradigm that or even even social networking paradigm that really brought it to a broader audience and so, so the reason I bring this up is like, what what is going to crack? First of all, is AR going to be this this side niche technology that really doesn't have a core part of game design, or is there going to be some other design paradigm where it it solves the the it makes AR mainstream in a way that none of us expected? Yeah. So, I mean, what you're saying is basically what we 
have endeavored to attempt to do. Yeah. Uh, and and what what becomes difficult is we're sort of in this place now where we feel like there's not enough data to conclude if we've done a good job or not because the barrier of saying it's an AR game is is a disincentive. <laughs> yeah. and, and what I actually find really really strange, to be honest, yeah. is that there's this lot of this zeal for virtual reality in, in the indie dev community especially. <laughs> And and I and to with me Oculus, I go right with Oculus with Oculus yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know that you look back at that and that's been a few years now yeah. since they announced that <laughs> and so all these developers are flocking to something that they didn't know the specs for which was going to be some additional price for a consumer and which took years to develop and yeah. nobody cared about AR at all and 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 I think partly it's because um, AR is. I don't want to say harder to design for, but the but as soon as you add the real world into it, as soon as you add that there's traffic and rivers and weather, yeah. uh, it's an incre- It's a it's complex problem that there isn't a roadmap to solve, um, and and, and uh, so maybe that's why they went there, or maybe they're just more impressed with what the Oculus was capable of yeah. at the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean there is no silver bullet. I mean we're we're hoping that we are sort of laying the groundwork for how to deliver an augmented reality game, but it still requires that people uh, at least try it. And maybe we're totally off. That is, you know, when you go into this, it's something you, uh, you sort of have this mix between the rational person who's like, you got to understand that this is a gamble. And then the very zealous person who's like, but it's going to take over the world. And those two sides, your personality sort of go about their business. I think there are other couple issues. One is technology. Right. I mean, just doing AR programming may not necessarily be easy. Now, I don't know if Unity makes it much easier now. Um, um, but, but, no. Yeah. So, so look, once again, this goes into the, the issue that most developers are going to kind of move towards what they know. Yeah. So, so you know, you look at VR, fine. They can do it at an OpenGL or something else like that, which they know. Or even Unity, right? <clears throat> and... And AR, I don't, I don't know about that. The the other issue I have is that when I think of AR, and you know, I talked to some company who was developing AR in Japan, and you have to hold up your camera, you have to hold up your phone, right? Like, yep. like just being able, and I don't know if you've solved that, but just having to hold up something that might turn off a lot of people. You know, like they sure, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's a problem we are. Ex- extremely aware of and it's something that we have attempted to mitigate but it's not a solvable problem on current technology um so what we did uh you know so along with talking about you know we cared a lot about safety we made it in your own neighborhood we tried to make it so that the action you never required to run in this game you're never required to uh you know there's quite and you have quite a you're never going to be required to like pick up an item specifically a specific location and there's quite a lot of uh, elasticity in, in you know as long as you're within 300 ranges 300 range of your levels base you can use AR so yeah. you know we, we, we've uh, tried to take safety into concern the other thing that was a huge thing is that social dynamic you know social dynamic in games and we're not talking like social networks we're talking people feeling embarrassed to play your game because yeah, now you're asking them connect is already kind of embarrassing and you only play connect games with like alone well, and most people not at all, but alone or with your most yeah. trusted friends. You're not going to go and like pick up a girl playing a Kinect game because yeah. you'll look stupid. Um, this th- And this is slightly worse because you're out in public. So what we did with that is essentially um, we tried to design it 
the whole design that you're a human using alien technology played through with the tower defense. That's why you have to build towers to reveal the enemy because your phone signal is not strong enough, so it needs things that boost the signal. And with the AR, we do the same thing where we go, AR is extremely powerful, but it has a limited duration of about 20 seconds. And that might not be the sweet spot. Maybe there is no sweet spot. Maybe one second is too long for people to hold up their phones. Yeah. But basically, uh, we wanted it so that you go up, and it's about the time it would take to take a couple pictures, and then there's a cooldown time so that people aren't sitting there, which is what most AR games, and this is why it became a vestigial, a secondary feature, because most AR games are you're just always holding up that phone, yeah. and you look really stupid. <laughs> and, I ha- and I had an interview where someone said that their only experience with AR was from Watch Dogs, and there's a minigame in Watch Dogs where they use AR. And, and uh, I wasn't familiar with that particular minigame, so I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, well, that looks ridiculous because he's running around shooting aliens, and he's literally running, and his phone is up the whole time. Like, he looks like a crazy person. So we tried to make it so that it would be a limited duration, that you would actually be disincentivized to move at all yeah. uh, for that limited duration because there would be so much activity you had to pay attention to. And we tried to make it so that the on-screen controls, in terms of like compass orientation, things like that, were good enough that you didn't spend your first 30 seconds dancing around like an idiot trying to figure out which way you're supposed to point. Um, Now, we've done the best we can, and it was something that we deeply uh, were concerned with. uh, And we think that the experience is awesome enough that people will do it. And that that 300-meter range, like if you're in the middle of the park and there's a bunch of kids playing, you do have the option that you can have the exact same impact on the game by moving to where you're not pointing the camera directly at a kid, you know, and having a mother go, what is that guy doing? So all those things combined together, I think, is us being very thoughtful about how to execute on it. And it's sort of at the place where we're waiting to see if if we hit that mark. And also, I mean, to be fair, you do see, like, at some of these concerts, people will hold up their phone for for the whole concert, recording stuff. Yeah, it, it so, seems it seems so. to be. Uh, uh, we sort of looked into that <laughs> phenomenon as well, but first, and 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 I don't. I'm not a psychologist. I don't totally yeah. understand it, but it seems like in that context, you're often facing away, and people are the people around you are aware of what you're pointing at. So yeah. everyone goes, okay, they're not pointing at me. Okay, and, okay, I see and what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that whole like, you're one guy alone in a park with a phone. And yeah. they don't know what you're doing versus a concert. Yeah. They're sort of an and it makes sense that you're you're pointing it at the concert. And I can see. So if you're like randomly, yeah, because if you're randomly doing it in the park, I can I can see that as an issue. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we we try we tried to handle it, and we still encourage people to at least give it a go. And uh, if they think we didn't we didn't hit it, then you know at at least I would say that you know it wasn't an issue we just ignored or weren't aware of, and that we put a ton yeah. of thought into it. But you know, and and also to bring up the connect thing. I mean, what's you, know, you mentioned Connect, and that brings up another good point, you know, because implementing Connect was challenging. You know, it, it was like technically challenging, and it used a state of the art technology and all this other stuff, and yet it became niche compared to something like like a really simple um, social networking game, you know, yeah. which which became mainstream, or even Flappy Birds. So, you know, I, I once again, I, it is this balance of where can technology actually help the game. Mm-hmm. Versus just trying to be a cool tech demo that um, doesn't really help, and and you know, once again it could just be connect eventually that that concept will work. It's just not in the right domain right now. So for example, augmented reality. If people had an had a cornea like like Google Glass but embedded as like a contact lens, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure augmented reality would make total sense. 
There, there's yes. no, there's no issue, and in fact, it would be so powerful. Just not even for the game aspect, just you know, for information and all this other stuff that people wouldn't care. It's just that maybe right now, because like you said, some of these social issues and inconveniences, it's not. This is this is not the design paradigm to make it uh, a mainstream aspect. Or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so I mean, um, obviously, it will go much more uh, mainstream once it is like seamless and and not embarrassing um, that that and that's something that we sort of are aware of and but it was that whole argument that I said before which is like if we as an indie developer wait till that happens yeah it's we're kind of like we're already starting to see hololens and it's like well if that thing takes off and th- then they start making gears on hololens like how could we ever compete yeah. um, you then you'd have to go do like um, more traditionally indie games which are fine, but like you can't do that. Like we're going to make a giant epic first tier IP. It's yeah. going to be more like um, as to it being niche now. That that's that that's fine if if it is. That's yeah. where we uh, we say for our game. Hey, you only need to play the tower defense. Like not there's nothing about this game that's forcing you to go outside at all. We almost hedged uh, against exactly what you're talking about, but said hey, but we still have the best AR available. Yeah. If you want it, and it's still very powerful, and how heavily you know, and you get a resource bonus for your because there's a unit upgrade system, and you have the most powerful ability. Is that sufficient incentive to get people to do it? Um, and is that time limit that we put on it sufficient to mitigate those things? Um, like we hope so, but certainly once it's attached to your cornea, it will be even more prevalent. Um, but and then I think people won't question it. But I think it's the same as any medium. Like you know, people say like these simple games are. Um, so popular, and I would say, yeah, and you know, the very simplistic, poorly written books are very popular. Yeah. Um, the most popular things, it, it's very hard to find that synergy between this thing is extremely innovative and interesting and complex, and it's popular. It does happen, yeah. but that is a rare. Generally, the things that are popular, the reason they're simple is to make sure that even a, you know, a mother who has never played games in her life can pick this up and pour $15 into it, you know, like, uh, well, um, I mean, I, I bring up these questions because, you know, it's, it is worth thinking like, okay, can, mm -hmm. can AR become huge on phones or is there going to have to be another design system where it becomes mainstream? Like you can develop it on the phones. Like, you know, you're getting your experience now on it, but will it require something in the future that, because because you've done it on the phones, you're prepared to to leverage it when that next thing comes out. And you know that's that's kind of what happened with Angry Birds, right? Uh, because that that company did like 50 other games on mobile, yeah. Not not on not on smartphones, right? But those other phones that were eventually evolving to smartphones, and then for whatever reason, it, it finally took off, right? I mean, and and part of that was just because maybe they had that mobile experience, and and they understood that the value of smartphones <laughs> compared to those other mobile phones, like in developing games for smartphones versus mobile phones. But the other thing is, it might even just be like, look, is it going to be this um, theme that actually works or is it going to have to be something like bird watching, or like you do an augmented reality bird watching game and that's where you're just holding your camera up a little and just taking pseudo photos of these imaginary birds or something and that i mean so so what i'm trying to figure out is is would the theme actually make a huge difference in what'll work or it's just that ar at this point for this uh for this mobile paradigm 
um, will have to be something that's additive, not not the primary gameplay, but additive. So um, I, I do hope, obviously, that it's like not completely out of the ballpark of reason that it will work right now. Um, yeah. for, and, and that could be cognitive dissonance on my part. But no, uh, I, I mean, um, when I say work, I, you know what? The, the mobile market's huge. And, and so I'm just trying to figure out, look, can this become like, what, what would it take to make an AR game that's as broad, broadly heard of as Flappy Birds? That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, versus, think, but yeah, go I, ahead. Well, I think it will take, like, I don't think that this game will be as broadly popular, and I've, I've never attempted to as, yeah. as Angry Birds, for instance. I mean, I think, I think it will take um, a, long, a long time. It will take the devices being there, and it will take people becoming familiar with it, but the thing is people don't become, like, uh, familiar with something unless there's adequate investment into doing it. Like people didn't yeah. just suddenly shoot uh, 3D movies that are all CGI. Um, they started with crap. Like not, the films weren't necessarily crappy, but like technologically, like black and white films and no sound. And uh, and we would look at that today and be like, oh my god, this is like yeah. I can't even without color and sound, I don't understand um, or or whatever. Um, but there certainly was a sufficient audience, and you know at first. It was more niche, and then it built, and then you know they started having editing and stories, and they got bigger yeah. and bigger. And now films is just a, you know, a very widely accepted thing. Um, but if those people initially didn't start figuring out how to edit or start figuring out how to implement sound and taking those big risks when it wasn't as big, yeah. would it have ever developed? Um, and so it's just about for me having a sufficient audience to maintain the enterprise. You know, like if we yeah. get a big enough audience that we can make a second game. Uh, my my second game might not be an air game, but I'll go. Okay, great. That's a win already. A win is that it is profitable uh, yeah. in, in terms of being a pioneer for me, anyway. And and not or not even profitable. Like we broke even. We didn't lose our shirts on this. Um, that that's good enough to take the risk again um, and prepare people for it. Like you know, the language of how to make an awesome AR game or anything doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes yeah. out of attempting to do it. Um, but I mean, I, I think at some point it won't even be a question. It'll like AR will just be a thing and it won't even be like, can AR games work? It's just AR is a thing. Yeah. We play games on our TV. The TV is the thing, you yeah. know? Um, and, and, and so that's, go ahead, go ahead. Well, so, so I think that will happen. And, and, and I think having a lot of ideas about it, cause I mean, I can surely tell you that, um, the breadth of the ideas we have for how to make awesome AR games is technically limited right now, of course. In what we could do with Clandestine even, it was limited. But we want to be there and hope we made it work enough at this point that we can continue to pioneer forward so that when it is there, we're the guys who know how to like just knock it out of the park. Yeah, and, and that's something I'm just reminded from our previous interviews, our interview, you know, which is broken up into two parts, which was that it was that combination of i think story but also leveraging new technology to 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 kind of develop new ip and i think you know we looked at star or you know you look at star wars mm-hmm. and you know that was unique ip but there was also some new technology or new effects in in that movie yeah um combined with a great story you know with with the story that resonated um to to really develop that unique ip and, and I just totally, that stuck out with me last time in the sense that the indie developers or the pioneers will have to do some invention to to make it, you know, to, to, to kind of, to, to get that foothold 
to I, I don't know i mean but then again i guess you look at minecraft i don't know if they actually well i guess they did do some gameplay at least for the mainstream it was it was a gameplay innovation mm-hmm. um but oh, I mean, for sure and yeah. even presentationally there can be innovation like yeah uh, like uh, like they they crafted a new genre and almost like an art yeah. style that didn't exist like those are That's all true. Yeah. Uh, they're not technical innovations, but they're innovations. Innova- yeah. uh, it's like yeah. a new form of music. Th- this new kind of whatever crazy music. W- the, all the instruments existed before, but now there's... And yeah. sometimes there are like electric, electronic music where it's like the, the technology creates the, the music or sometimes it's just people start screwing with the instruments in a way that they weren't supposed yeah. to. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Uh, and it's interesting you mentioned Star Wars because we sort of... You know, we're we're probably never going to hit that, um, but we do see that as hopefully being like that moment when you first see the AR working as well as we have it working is a little bit like that yeah. first time you see the Star Destroyer go across the screen in Star Wars, and it's like, oh my god! Like for at the time, that was a huge jaw dropping moment, and so we did think think a lot about that, and 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 throughout the project, and yeah. think a lot about how like people thought that that movie was going to fail. Yeah, and and I'm just, and once again I'm just kind of verbalizing this stuff just to clarify, kind of a template that you know uh, indie developers can use to succeed. Because I'm thinking about even Angry Birds, right? What it was is that, I guess at this point in time, the innovators aren't necessarily innovating on the technology and the and the design or the story at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but because so, so then you had like Apple coming out with the smartphone, which was this new technology, and then you had this other kind of the, the the people who were good at content develop Angry Birds, right? Versus what you're talking about before, where some of the film people were actually doing some of the technical innovations too. Like you look mm-hmm. at you look at George Lucas, and it was that combo of technical innovation, and I think he he helped start ILM. Um, uh, yeah, he he. ILM is his, was yeah, until Disney bought it his company. Yeah. yeah, and technical innovation, and also I guess the the story innovation, or just just a solid story, and so the the best developers will eventually master both. I mean, what, what, or does it even matter? What What are your thoughts on this? I mean, because because uh, when I'm when I'm discussing with you with you, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> a formula where like what is going to be like some indie developer is going to look someone indie developer made minecraft and you could be on that path to make something related to that related to ar right like what is that formula that developers can look at that that allows them to develop unique ip that doesn't get you know that 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 transcends what all the the real like you know the triple a studios that spend so much money could never do yeah, so I mean, I think like uh, we got to remember that there was Star Wars George Lucas, but there was also Martin Scorsese who didn't yeah. invent a- any technology, but yeah. he came up with uh, unique ways to edit and cut, and uh, and and you could even argue he didn't come up with unique ways. He was more like Apple, where he just like, oh, this director did this and this director did this, and he mashed it up in a new way. Like touch screens existed before Apple, like all the core yeah. components existed. So I mean, I don't think you have to go the George. Lucas root necessarily as being the formula, but looking at that formula specifically, um, it, it's like it's daunting. It's it's really uh, I th- I think it is a extremely valid way to go, but you have to go, and I, I say this logically, not emotionally, because if it was emotional, I probably wouldn't do it. But um, you have to go in knowing that you believe in it, 
and and it might not hit. There's so many so many yeah. things. Uh, timing, you know, uh, timing could change on on something in an instant. Factors outside your control, like people's social perceptions of past versions of whatever sci-fi movies could have just killed Star Wars. So it's it's yeah. hard to know uh, exactly, but but that's the difference. It goes: Do you want to play for the big thing of marbles? And 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 maybe never hit it, or do you want to play in between, play it safe, make a good living, but never aim high? And um, for me, that's where um, it 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 just does come down to you know we're talking about trying to balance accessibility with passion. That's where it just like that's what is fueling the whole thing, the whole yeah. trouble of doing it, the whole pain of needing to learn new things and and we did uh i don't think we invented technology to the scale that George lucas did but like we had a there are ar engines there are map systems there's an engine called unity and, yeah. but like they we had to make that work seamlessly together um and we had to do some uh i, I almost call them they're almost like the opposite of innovations because we had to sort of take what I, uh, some of the ways we made our ar work as well as it does work is actually by um, you know, it's almost like a Hollywood trick a little bit where it is more convincing than it is actually accurate. Now, it is very accurate. Like, it does know your location. It does know your orientation. But if you just took raw GPS data, it, it like, G, the GPS is constantly adjusting, trying to get better information. And so AR that uses GPS traditionally shakes around a lot. And, and I, went, I went, it doesn't matter if you have 100% accurate data at the time. Yeah. It matters that it feels 100% accurate 100% of the time. So it's more about how it feels than how it's actually being executed. But there had to be a system in place to figure out, like, what amount of data to accept, what amount of data to reject to make it seem like, uh, like a flawless situation. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm always sort of interested in that route. But I certainly think that you can have... Um, have developers who never go mainstream, but who still have a large impact on the environment. Who do you know yeah. more well, non-technical but, but very imaginative? Yeah, and, and like to Fez. be fair, I think George Lucas didn't think it was going to succeed. By the way, <laughs> like, like you know, like he he did do the research. I was reading this article, and he did do a lot of market research. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to just do this crazy little thing in space like he, yeah. he he had a really clear understanding of what actually was going to work and probably he did the research and other people didn't and so they couldn't fathom why this would even work and and same with titanic right i mean that that's um that's crazy i don't know if you, you're familiar with the titanic movie story about how it was like 200 million dollars to develop yep I mean, oh yeah it's pretty crazy you know, like i could never james cameron has the record for constantly <laughs> spending the most money ever on movies yeah. as well as then turning around and then making more than ever on yeah. movies it's it's kind of insane how he pulls he's he almost <laughs> james cameron almost took the george lucas formula and yeah. then does it better like well george lucas is rich because well, he owns all the companies but he does it almost better than george lucas in terms of like taking a new technology and making and you and taking a popular story and, and fusing them well, well, together. Here's the thing. That's true for Avatar, but for Titanic, is that true? Like, I mean, what what was the technical breakthrough with Titanic? I oh, mean, they still had a ton of, um, uh, they still had a ton of new, uh, like, crowd, like, um, CGI crowd stuff so that the boat oh, could look populated. Okay. You know, when the boat starts to tip, they had a real boat, but they had to have a lot of, like, um, you know, processing of, like, people falling and, like, nailing their heads on things. And I'm sure there's even okay, more yeah. than that. Water was, I mean, you look at the water in Titanic now and it's like, oh, God, it looks terrible. But yeah. at the time, that was, like, the best water ever. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, I would say it doesn't have that same shiny of like, uh, we came up with a new 3D camera. But I, I actually think that that was overstated on Avatar because there was other 3D movies, you know. But um, yeah, but I mean, it it is at least in the in the movie domain, people do want something that's visually different or more compelling than what they've seen before. I mean, that can help. It isn't the only formula, but it seems to be a very powerful thing. I mean, Jurassic World just came out, but you know, think about Jurassic Park, right? And that mm-hmm. that first movie was a huge hit. Part of it was people were just curious, how are these dinosaurs going to look, right? Like, and and it was a good story too. It was it wasn't like a, like a bad story. It was an amazing story, but that technology helped a lot. I think Jurassic Park, other than the fact that it's not indie, like and uh, and yeah. neither was Titanic, obviously with a two hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. Um, but um, was that uh, mix of like a good story executed well with uh, huge technological breakthroughs um but i mean they had the funds to do these massive technological breakthroughs um and yeah and and, oh go ahead go ahead oh no i kind of didn't quite know where i was going so it's okay okay well i was going to segue then because sometimes the technological breakthrough isn't even necessarily in the the product itself but it's new marketing and and so you look at flappy birds right like technologically um there's no breakthrough Right, but, but but really, I don't know if you know how Flappy Birds took off, but he caught the wave of of the YouTube reviewers, right? Mm-hmm. Like like these Let's Play videos, and then you had PewDiePie covering it because it was on the App Store for seven months before it finally took off for seven or eight months, and and then finally, boom, because of one person reviewing it, you know, who's really now more people know about PewDiePie, but it it became really successful. Are you looking at other marketing um, approaches to your game? See, um, uh, well, like with with that example, I don't know that that guy actually like <laughs> strategically thought seven oh, months yeah, later, yeah. let's start hitting let's play people. Um, oh no, so, he didn't. Actually, it was just like PewDiePie. It just I mean, happened. Yeah, it ju- exactly. And so, and that's why people thought, like, what did this guy like hack the app store? Like, some people are <laughs> thinking that because, come on, like. And and what it is, and so, you know, it's it's same with same with um that that's what I mean by some of these technologies or concepts or opportunities coming in from left field, where people just don't understand the model, mm-hmm. but it can leverage. You can use it to actually leverage maybe your creative um, goals, you know, your artistic pursuits, in a way that doing it logically or linearly would have never done. Um, go ahead. Yeah. So. Um... Uh, we we don't necessarily have some sort of like silver bullet. I like for us, it's already like it's already so hard to explain the game that to then other also take the risk of having this uh, like weird asymmetric strategy that no one's tried before. It's a little beyond us. I think I think a better example than um, Flappy Birds, where it was intentional, was Candy Crush. I saw a talk uh, by the guy who created Candy Crush, and basically their Facebook, like oh, yeah. how they integrated Facebook with the app and and like had that all working together seamlessly was their yeah. sort of silver bullet and that is an example of like marketing like just rocketing this thing yeah. up um but um yeah i honestly uh hope that the novelty which is a double edged sword right because yeah. if it's too, uh but my hope is that at some point enough people have played the game if we actually did a good job which uh, it depends on having more people play it to tell us if we did do a good job. But if we do a good job, my hope is that that is, that is what takes off. And you can do some funny Let's Play videos because you have these situations that you were never asked to do before. 
but um, but now let's let's play videos have become quite like commercialized. I know yeah. PewDiePie uh, at least claims he hasn't commercialized, and that's like in ter- in terms of in terms of demanding money to do the game. He obviously makes a ton of money, but um, but you know there are places we've already been sort of hey, well, do a let's play video if you give me ten thousand dollars, and and uh, <laughs> and it's like well, geez, uh, I don't know that's about like- that. I mean, yeah, that's not gonna f- work yeah. really. Um, might as well just buy installs or something, you know, um, at that point, which is also a bad. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And it's crazy how especially the mobile market is so fast moving that marketing strategies yeah. can, can so easily start to dominate the store. Like free-to-play did it as well, right? Like, yeah. Um, and we're going premium and you're in this weird place where people ask you why is it premium. Yeah, like, you know, like, that's that's what I was going to ask actually. Because <laughs> your, your app right now um, – when I saw it, it was like it's three ninety nine, right? American, I, yeah. Yeah, okay. And um, yeah, what what inspired you to go premium versus freemium? Well, a couple things. I hate freemium myself. Sure. Um, so this might have come more from, you know, not thinking rationally, but thinking uh, emotionally. Look, look people uh, are buying paid games on the app store, so it isn't. I know. I know people. I know freemium gets a lot of exposure, but yep. people are definitely buying paid games. So well, for sure, for sure. And yeah. I would say that. Um, in terms of we always had it planned as a premium and then we while we were making the game it went through this glut of being very few premium successes and now it actually seems price point on average is actually going up on the app store yeah which is which is great to see um for me um you know uh we, we we're almost we're, we're considering trying a slightly different strategy on android not that we're going to change the whole game or make it free to play and bug you every 10 minutes for some quarters um but um to maybe make it free up until you've tried the AR or give you some sample. But now we went premium because we said for ourselves, we said we are offering an experience that we think is novel and new and legitimately different. And we think that that is worth $4. Um, it may be like, it's hard to value things, but you go like, and this is, this is this game. Like for me, who knows all of the maps, who knows exactly all the shortcuts and all the tricks it takes me almost three hours to do a playthrough no, and, and skipping the story, just like running through it. So, you know, on an average playthrough for most people, we don't quite know what that's going to be yet, but it's over five hours. Yeah. It's, over, it's over five hours, and that's not including walking time if you walk. And then we have this really, like I say, the best AR that has ever happened. And, you know, that to me, is, um, it's complicated to explain it to people what it is, but it should be a draw because it is so cutting edge but then you hit the other side of saying but if no one's had it they don't know what it is they might need a sample before they understand um and so which is why we might go the payroll paywall route on android and give out the game for free up to a certain point early in the game and then say okay you've had you understand it now do you want it but um it, it comes to like also just like a certain level of I don't want to say integrity because I don't think free-to-play games are necessarily have no integrity. But I mean, yeah. in terms of the vision that we want to have, you have these aliens trying to help you out, you know, uh, or they're they're trying to get your help to help them. And then what they ask you narratively every you know for five bucks each time. Like I I care so much about the experience yeah. feeling authentic. Your phone is hacked, and we actually we thought we were going to get rejected from the app store because our hacking is a little bit realistic for about half a second. Um, and, um, and and we want it to be this authentic experience of like, it's really you, it's really your phone, this is really happening, you're augmenting real reality. And then to have it with a salesman on top of it would sully the experience. Yeah. And 
you know, and, and that goes to another thing that I wanted to discuss and, and get your opinion on. Um, you talk about integrity and, you know, what what is the balance between working with um, what the audience wants and just having this artistic integrity of like, you know what, this is the way it's going to be. And look, I mean, I was the one telling other people, hey, you should develop your game in Flash, right? Because you reached the biggest, this was like in, you know, 2009, 2010. And you have like something like Minecraft where they're just like, you know what, skip this. We're just going to do it in Java. And mm. you know what, skip that. We'll just, we'll just have it paid. Like I was like, oh, free to play. And, you know, that's the, that's the thing. And, and you know, like, look, I'm the bozo. So, so what's the, what's the how, how do you actually deliver on integrity? Like, so that it becomes, so that you become the exception versus having to follow or or work with what the industry trends are. Well, I can give you my thoughts, but I can tell you uh, as a caveat that I have no idea, and it's something yeah. I struggle with all the time. I'm trying um, to figure it out. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's a moving target, right? I think as soon yeah. as you figure out a formula, the next move is that that formula. You know, you get Clash of Clans, and you get all the clones of Clash of Clans. Oh and yeah, the, yeah. And then true. the then the first couple come in and they they succeed sort of together, but then it becomes saturated, and then you need a new trick. Um, so I mean that that's really hard. But for me, it comes down to like the logical sort of how you weigh it is is the amount of uh, trying to maintain an artistic vision is relative to how willing you are to not make a penny. Uh, and if you're okay not making a penny to do this artistic thing, um, then go for it. Um, and if you want to bounce out in the middle, you can go for it. There's no right or wrong answer. It's really hard to spend four years of your life on a risk and and yeah. maybe it makes no money um and and but that's, where that's I, how the james camerons are made right i mean it's it's true but how many <laughs> the question is how many guys out there tried it and you never hear about them because they're not yeah. james cameron you always you only hear about the successes you don't hear about the failures <laughs> and and you don't want to end up being one of those failures yeah uh, and it takes a certain amount of being delusional about your own abilities and, um, and you have I, to know your craft. Like it, it isn't like James Cameron is like not understanding how to make some it. random hack. That yeah, yeah no, yeah, exactly. Like, um, like he was perpetual. Like I mean, from what I read, like he would actually go and start reading up on papers, research papers related to whatever. I mean, he, he seems to have known the, um, you know, the craft reasonably well. And same with George Lucas, right? Like it isn't like they're like, oh, we're just gonna do this, and like they didn't just study. Like you know, they they study the stuff. Right, like it's like mm-hmm. they they understand the details. Um, um, the Minecraft guy knew how to do three D stuff uh, without Unity, by the way. You know, so well, and you don't want to go twelve course either. Like the Minecraft yeah. guy, he stuck with his strength, you know, and and that well, ultimately what? prevailed for him. But if he had gone and said, okay, what I'm really strong at isn't necessarily making money, he yeah, could have ended true. up making something he wasn't very good at making, but tried. So so if you go and say, I'm going to make Clash of Clans. This is a game I'm not interested in. I suck at doing it, but it's going to make money. You're probably okay. going to make a bad Clash of Clans okay. and still have no money. So, so, so a blend of passion, but also a blend of craftsmanship and a, a blend of um, execution. At the very well, that's least. where I come at it from story so heavily. Yeah. Is like that's my main yeah. craft. My main craft isn't game development. Yeah, my and see, is... that, this is what I'm talking about. And and so maybe your partners have to be people with skills their their main blend or their main passion has to be complementary to yours for sure right? i would say yeah. the majority of the dev team felt a lot of my things i tried to push on story were sometimes 
idiosyncratic, but that's good. Yeah, like that's a yeah. good friction to have. And I would say the George Lucas example saying knowing your craft is also having people who can tell you that you're stupid and that this is not going to work. Yeah. And sometimes listening to them because you get to a George Lucas place where he knows his craft, but clearly something didn't but, but work he also, out I guess, in the future films. They got they went bad, and that could have been because he didn't have the complimentary people who he would listen to or who could at yeah. least like make him question his decisions. You're talking about the the, the films in the '90s, right? Like, yeah, the like, star, like okay, the this, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so, no, so obviously right. it's not just craft. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's also hard balance. Like, you know, cause you want to go through this uh, creative vision and you're the visionary. Yeah. Um, and that's something I very much want, but then you also go, well, the entire room, all of the guys in the dev team are saying, this is a bad idea. And sometimes I go, I don't care. We're doing it. And other yeah. times you go, uh, yeah, you're probably, you know, you guys are probably right. Or sometimes yeah. they convince you and, and, um, Again, again, that's a very hard. You know, you can't say just choose every three to go no to. You know, it's it's like yeah. you gotta. It's gotta be a feeling thing. But um, I that's something I got better at. Like I became more uh, open to. Not I was always open to criticism, but I still just generally said no. You know, like okay, that's great, but no. Um, um, but as we went on, I, I became more because again, like especially when we went to that focus on gameplay thing, I have no illusions that that is not my expertise. Um, I sort of sculpted out the high-level vision of what mechanics we had that I wanted to focus on. Yeah. And I didn't do the balancing on this game because I can't bounce worth shit. And I didn't do, you know, I did some of the map design, but um, it, be- but that became more collaborative because, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend I'm, a, I'm actually really a designer, you know. Now I don't know if you're familiar with the um, lean startup methodology, where you know you just kind of do stuff really quickly and release it. At, yeah. at any time during your development, were you thinking about maybe doing side side AR projects just to test out certain concepts, release them on the app store just to get feedback, just to see responses? Um, I th- I think it's it's something that uh, is is very uh, smart thing to do. There's two sort of general issues on this project. One, uh, what I was wanting to execute on was a cohesive, like it was like the AR games don't work because they're not this large cohesive. Yeah. In- so 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 in that way, it's like you can make a bunch of small things and they fail, but that's because that's what every other AR game has done. Um, but the other problem was just how this, not problem, uh, because we wouldn't have made the game without this, but um, the way that the game was funded uh, precluded that as being a possibility because we were funded to do this game, not to make some side projects. Could and you- so we basically would have had to have been fraudulent with our funders. But we are now, our next game is... We're like probably partly because it took me four years. I'm like, there's no way I want to just jump on another big project. Yeah. But uh, and it's not an AR game, but our next game is, is that we're currently working on. We'll I don't I'm not going to announce because I don't know if it's going to see the light of day. But is one of those lean like let's just make something quick and fun and yeah. Could you have convinced your backers that that was a legitimate approach? Because I mean, because one of the things that I've seen is that even if you have an amazing game there's a lot of other dimensions to making that game a success that you have to understand. So even as simple as like, what are you going to put in that app store, right? Like what, what is the description, the screenshot, all these things that mm-hmm. you may not necessarily develop an instinct for because you can't iterate on that internally unless you've got product out there. 
And if you're taking a few years to develop that product, you're missing out on learnings on a lot of these other things that are also essential to your success that you could get the learnings with your game design because you could keep on iterating internally. You didn't need you didn't need Apple to approve every internal build you did. But for a lot of this stuff like App Store, um, placement, keywords, all these other things do need that that external feedback loop. Well, I sort of see... Um... We did do some focus testing. Obviously, that's relatively small. When it comes to the word-ish, like the sorry, the App Store text and things like that, that's partly uh, an experiment that is now beginning. Um, yeah. That that might be a bit late or, or or whatever. But yeah, like there hasn't been a game that can really crack how to explain AR either. But we're sort of looking at the data yeah. every day and and remembering that Angry Birds took six months to be a success and that Flappy yeah. Birds did and going. And this is really hard for me, but going, this isn't going to necessarily be successful overnight and trying to read the signals correctly and hoping yeah. that you, Which, you can figure it out. But yeah, I mean, we could have done it that way. We had people on the team who'd release games on app stores, but not necessarily AR games. And okay. uh, yeah, I mean, I we could have maybe done it that way, but we couldn't have gotten that money from our backers. The, the backer is, it's not like a normal uh, investment thing. It's, uh, it's um, like a government program where they fund a project specifically. So uh, I don't think we could have necessarily convinced them unless we had pitched it as multiple projects. But I, I can't, I also want to concede that I didn't try either okay. to convince them. Um, which, you know, and, and you talk about now that your game's out, there is going to be this duration where you're iterating and you're you're promoting it. Um, what What's your strategy at this point to promote it, maybe get some exposure in a way, or, or bring in an audience that would not have necessarily considered this game or see it? Um, so, uh, I mean, we have sort of uh, multiple strategies, and one of them is, you know, let, let's determine if we need to, to pivot here. I mean, essentially, our, our base plan that we went out with hasn't necessarily materialized as we anticipated, which was we didn't think that, you know, that people just weren't even, that uh, reviewers were just not even going to try it. Uh, we thought that it was like, we think we made an awesome product. We think that this is a great, interesting, unique thing. The uniqueness and the fact that we've had some um, high-level talent on it should be sufficient to get them to try it. And then once they try it, it they're going to they're gonna go and tell the world how good of a job we did or tell us that we're terrible and then we understand that we're terrible. Um, but, you know, um, but since there hasn't been that penetration initially because of the skepticism to AR... Um, we're sort of looking how to how to pivot that currently, but um, the long term thing is actually to start addressing. You know, we are initially trying to go for audiences who play Ingress or who are hardcore gamers or tower defense gamers, and then the secondary market is to eventually start focusing on uh, not parents but kids with parents and selling it as a a game that will get your kid out of the basement and playing outside, and that that will hopefully help broaden it out. But it's uh, that that's sort of a second tier strategy, and we're having to adjust our our primary out of the gate strategy. So, which is why I was talking about switching up how we sell the game on Android. Yeah, because because of that. Did you think about even removing the concept or even mentioning AR, and people would just discover it, and it's just more about a tower defense game? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Because because tower defense, even even casual gamers can relate to that, you know, with the plants versus zombies, and um, and and that was relatively popular for that casual audience. And then you have the hardcore audience that also knows tower defense too. 
Um, it, it's not, it's something that we're uh, discussing right now as, as you know when you do sort of ad buys on Facebook or you put out hits or you put out releases, you sort of can see uh, what gets more hits. Um, and so it's something that we might move to. I mean, it would be uh, the hard part is as an indie developer, you go, I'm releasing a tire defense game. That's probably not going to get just saying yeah, that isn't going to get any traction either. And then, and then you know, are people going to feel? Yeah, like it's it's hard to say. Like, our, you know, we're making a 3D movie, but people hate 3D. So let's just <laughs> say it's a movie. Um, and and if other elements are good enough, like, but our movie stars Tom Cruise, and it's whatever. Um, yeah, they they might pick it up then. So yeah, so I don't think that there's necessarily an easy formula, but we are definitely. Um, trying to emphasize some of the other thoughtful considerations like it's a tower defense game that you can play straight through but there is a risk that we're mi- just mixing up the message you know we're not we're not going out saying it's an air game it's it's an air game but it, it you don't have to play the AR necessarily and that, that 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 is something that is difficult and and we are going to start experimenting with just saying you know it's a innovative tower defense game and maybe not even talking about what the well, how is it innovative? You know, or yeah. or saying it's innovative because of, but or not mentioning What about tower defense with location based? Does that? I mean, have you tried experiments with that? Because I, I feel, don't even I know feel, if location based will turn off people, even though uh, it could add to the fun. But I think um, location based is a bigger turnoff than AR. To be oh, honest, okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, because because part of it is kind of like it's, what we're discussing now is how do you communicate? People may love it, but it's just there's certain words that if they hear it. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting it's getting people up. It's getting people up. Yeah, because you know that you think is it, the hardest yeah, part. Think about Flappy Birds. I mean, people don't recognize that, but actually, Flappy. The reason why he called it Flappy Birds is because I think he was trying to try, trying to build off of Angry Birds. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and then and, and it just he was just going to be a small niche, and he was just trying to get keyword exposure with the birds in there. But then it turned out that he caught this other wave of um, let's play video coverage that really brought it up you know but mm-hmm. but i mean yeah there are all these little things that um well and there's an exercise approach too like the game doesn't require you to run but does require you to oh, get yeah, out yeah yeah th- th- those are definitely things that we're looking at but um you know the budget to make the game and us being a small indie company we don't necessarily we did do market re- research but we don't like have like you know which uh King and stuff does have, and now I think Rovio does too, but we don't have like a psychologist on staff or, you know, we can only yeah. do so much market yeah, testing no, unless know. unless we take the route that you had said, which is try to do a lot of quick versions. But I mean, we're kind of too late. You know, to, every time to I try that. to try to like, try to skip that concept of like just releasing a bunch of things just to get feedback and understand, you know, instinct and, and you know, build my own intuition and instinct and all this other stuff. It becomes really difficult, and so that's that's why I wanted to share that approach. Now, it, it isn't an approach that everyone uses, but well, I and, just and found it could, that it really is useful for me. So, and 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 you may well be right, and we might move into that. But it could also, in terms of AR, make it worse because what happens yeah. if we out of the gate release five AR games and they're <laughs> all horrible, really bad, and then we yeah. say, "No, guys, this time we did it," and they're like, yeah. "Okay, buddy, all your AR games." Have you know, well, if mean, anything, you might get feedback that just tells you quicker, don't do AR, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, don't do it at, with that approach. I mean, yeah. so look, even... But even it's, it's even AR it, generally. It, it's AR generally that's the problem because we're yeah. taking a different approach and it's the word A, it's the, it's the fact that there's AR that causes some resistance amongst... It doesn't cause resistance amongst normal people because they've never heard of it. It causes resistance amongst uh, 
yeah. gamers who have experienced it before. Okay. And but the thing is that you could have pulled those apps from the App Store once they were like once they kind of ran their little experiment. No, mm-hmm. I don't you know, that's not perfect, but yeah. um I don't know. I mean I guess that's one approach. Um so I guess uh why don't why don't we discuss um I guess, you know, since the last time we talked, like just the whole development process that you had for this game. Sure. Uh, is there something like uh, in terms of specific or do you just yeah. want to talk about, like our main challenges or? Well, what I was going to do is, you know, let's say that this is part one <laughs> of the interview. Sure. And um, when we come back um, for the audience out there, when we come back, we can discuss some of the challenges you've had or some of the learnings that you've had as you've worked and, you know, you've, you've expanded your team and you've worked with some of these other people from the industry that were, you know, like you mentioned the Gears of War guy and some of these other people and just discussing what you've learned. Um, yeah, for sure. Your perspective um, on what you would do differently. Yeah. Before we cut to the break, I do just yeah. want to say one thing as a counter to the uh, doing that just popped in my head to doing the uh, doing a bunch of little things yeah. quickly, which is the Apple approach. Yeah, I know. Which, look, I know. which is you sit behind the scenes and you <laughs> try to perfect it. And I do feel with AR specifically, given that there was the, a lot of like there's every year you go to AR conferences and they say this year it's going to be big and it's never quite there. <laughs> and, and an AR game yeah. comes out and they're terrible. And and so I, I do I I don't know that I looking back would necessarily do it differently because you go the problem is that it needs to be yeah. this fully thought out thing but you know but yeah we'll, we'll and, and we'll sort of talk about what, yeah, no, what I, that what I want to discuss I want to figure out a policy you know that would be awesome <laughs> because look this this is the whole thing of like artistic integrity the Apple approach versus the iterative Microsoft whatever approach and what what is best and and what works um because even minecraft you know i went i went back and i read the forum where he initially posted this stuff um at least his forum thread and he was iterating on it constantly right Mm -hmm. um and so yeah he had a unique idea but but he also got that idea from another indie developer who quit on that idea well that's interesting about i didn't hear about that but i also that it comes down to personality sometimes too like you know uh and and i'm just you know, uh, when I'm editing a film, say, because I do not just make games, I can't have people over my shoulder. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I I, I want to sort of, I, I'm okay being criticized by by the public and having people not like it, but it's almost like I want to give them my full idea of what I wanted before they they sort of. It's just something about me. I just I'm not I don't I'm not of the compulsion where I like to get feedback until I feel it's ready for feedback. You yeah, know? and and so yeah, so I think I think in the next. Um, in the next session, we can discuss exactly when do you feel it is time to get feedback. Right and now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so cool. Thanks again. And um, once again, your website is um, zenfri.com. That's right. That's yeah. my main uh, website where you can find all of our projects. And then clandestineanomaly.com will be specific to the game. Uh, great. Thanks again. Um, talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.